right, Mark chapter 13, and we're now at verse 14. So we're going to read verse 14 here. But when ye shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, standing where it ought not, let him that readeth understand, then let them that be in Judea flee to the mountains. And uh, we're now going to, we're at this point here, uh, where we're going to be transitioning out of verse 13. And you shall be hated of all men for my name's sake, but he that shall endure to the end, the same shall be saved. And again, he's talked, we, we went down through this last time, the believing remnant. They are, uh, they are busy, they're working. Uh, when he says in verse 13, you're going to endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. He's talking about the end of the 70th week. You understand that context from verse 14. But when you shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, standing where it ought not, let him that readeth understand, and let them that be in Judea flee to the mountains. And that event happens in the midst of the week. And there's some middle-of-the-week events of the 70th week. And again, when we see that expression here of the abomination and so forth, the context, and really enduring to the end to be saved, Matthew 10, Matthew 24, Luke 21, and so forth, when you see those, it's all usually always in the context of the tribulation period, the 70th week, and so forth. So in Israel's program, come back with me to Jeremiah chapter 30. Jeremiah 30. In Israel's program, uh, when we read uh, the issue of salvation or being saved, it's um, not the same as it is with us today in the age of grace. Um, you know, Paul says, Ephesians 2.8 2, 8 there, For by grace are you saved through faith. Uh, Titus 3, by, by grace you are saved. So our salvation program is not the same that, uh, that Israel had. Israel has a package. Israel has a, a Israel, when, again, when Israel thought about salvation, uh, Jeremiah 30 is where we're at, guys. Yeah, you're fine. So when, when Israel thought about being saved, it's you, you, they're thinking about it in the context of a physical salvation from their enemies and into a kingdom, a blessing in the kingdom. So when we think, when we read, and they endure to the end shall be saved, you can't read into that us uh, the way we are saved in the age of grace because it doesn't work that way. Uh, Jeremiah 30, if you look at verse 1, the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Thus speaketh the Lord God of Israel, saying, Write thee all the words that I have spoken unto thee in a book. Uh, you think about that. He identifies himself as the Lord God of Israel. Uh, some 200 times, I think it is, where that is used that way, where God himself ident identifies himself as the God of Israel, never the God of another nation. He doesn't say that. He just says, I'm the God of the nation that I created, Israel. And then if you notice, he says, write it, the things that I, uh, write thee all the th words that I have spoken unto thee in a book. And that's a wonderful thing because out there in the future, they're going to have a book. And, and I know today with technology, you got apps and you got this and that, and you can jump around, and, and that's wonderful. But what happens when your battery runs out and you don't have electricity to plug it in to soup it up again, you know? <laughs> now, we're, now we're in trouble. So it, 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 it's not so much the form that the book, it, the, the physical form isn't the issue, yet what is the issue is that they have the Word of God. And that's really the, the book. The, the physical form, I prefer this. I've got my Strong's. I've got, you know, I've got the apps too because I'll sit and, you know, 
and try to do what you guys all do, and I can't do it, so I just go back to my book. But when you think about the, this, they're going to have a book. They are a people of a book, just like we are. Verse 3. For lo, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will bring again the captivity of my people, Israel, and Judah, saith the Lord, and I will cause them to return to the land that I gave to their fathers, and they shall possess it. This is all future of us. They've got, they're going to bring them back. He's going to bring them back into the land again, and... (laughs) There's a whole time, verse 5, For thus saith the Lord, We have heard a voice of trembling, of fear, and not of peace. Ask ye now, and see whether a man does travail with child. Wherefore do I see every man with his hands on his loins, as a woman in travail, and all faces are turned into paleness. That, that's tribulation. It's such pain and horror and difficulty that's going to be going on in the lives of that believing remnant that they're going to literally be crying out like a woman having a baby and and just that the labor pains verse 7 alas for that day is great so that it is so that none is like it it is even the time of jacob's trouble now watch but he shall be saved out of it why why are they having the trouble why are they in the pain why are they in the tri- because it's the time of jacob's trouble we're in the tribulation we're in that 70th week but what's going to happen they're going to get saved out of it see that that's not a that's not a justification unto eternal life they're the people of the book already Rather, that's a physical salvation from the physical torment and trouble and pain moving into that kingdom that's, that belongs to them. Come back, if you will, back into the Gospels. Come back to Matthew 24, the parallel to Mark 13. So I I'm, do that because we ended with verse 13 last week about enduring to the end. And usually when you, him that endure to the end shall be saved, that salvation is a physical salvation from a physical enemy into a literal, physical, visible, earthly kingdom. Matthew 24, if you look at verse 15, When ye therefore shall see the abomination of desolation, spoken of by Daniel the prophet, stand in the holy place, whosoever readeth, let him understand. So we're where we're at in Mark 13, okay? But look back up at verse 13. But he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. Same context, enduring to the end of the events of verse 15. Now look at verse 16. Then let them which be in Judea flee to the mountains. Let him which is on the housetop not come down to take anything out of his house. Neither let him which is in the field, return back to take his clothes, and woe unto them that are with child, and to them that give suck in those days. But pray ye that your flight be not in the winter, neither on the Sabbath. Isn't that interesting? Great tribulation. And when it hits, you better hope that, the car, that, that everything's right. And, the, you know, the Sabbath day, they can't travel too far. They can only go X amount, and then they got to stop. Cause, okay? But they're going to do what? They're going to run. Verse 21, for then shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world, Genesis 1, to this time, no, nor ever shall be. That's that issue in Jeremiah 30, verse 7, the time of Jacob's trouble, a time of tremendous pain and torment and persecution like never before. That's what they're enduring down through. That's what they're working down through and so forth. Come over to Luke 1. So salvation, uh, when, you talk about, when you talk about salvation in Israel's program, it's a package deal. They have the issue of justification unto eternal life, the issue of faith, but they also have this promise of being saved from their enemies and persecutions into it as long as they're doing what? 
keeping the commandments and everything. So you've got a lot of little intricate little details here that you have to uh, keep on keep on board. Now, look in Luke 1 here. Uh, we've, I introduced Luke about three weeks ago. <laughs> we've had Q&A and questions, which is fine. So hopefully when we get back from California, because Sunday night we'll probably not have anybody here because it's Super Bowl Sunday evening. Um, and, and, and again, wear your favorite jerseys if you'd like to do that. Uh, verse 64. You've got John the Baptist's dad. You've got Zac uh, Zacchaeus here. Okay. Zacharias, what I call him, Zacchaeus. Eh, he's a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. Okay, yeah, Zacharias. So, you, he, what does he do? He sees the angel. He doesn't believe it. He can't talk until the baby, until John the Baptist is born. As soon as he's born, he's going to speak, and all this stuff's going to come flowing out of him. Now, verse sixty-four, and his mouth was opened immediately. I'm sorry, and his mouth was opened immediately, and his tongue loosed, and he spake and praised God, and fear came on all that dwelt round about them, and all these sayings were noised abroad throughout all the hill country of Judea. And all they that heard them laid them up in their hearts, saying, What manner of child shall this be? And the hand of the Lord was with him. And his father, Zacharias, was filled with the Holy Ghost and prophesied, saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he hath visited and redeemed his people and hath raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. Okay, he's prophesy, prophesying. Here he comes. The horn of salvation. Verse 70. And as he, spake by the, as he spake by the mouth of his holy prophets, which have been since the world began. Now watch that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all that hate us. See that? Physical salvation from all that hate, from the enemies, the, those that are going to hate them without a cause, they're going to try to destroy them, they're going to try to deceive them, okay? They're over here doing, they think they're doing God's service, and God says, nope, you're not, and here they come, verse 72, to perform the mercy promised to our fathers and to re remember his holy covenant, the oath which he sware to our father Abraham, that he would grant unto us that we, being delivered out of the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear, in holiness and righteousness before him all the days of our life. And thou child shall be called the prophet of the highest for thou shalt go before the face of the Lord to prepare his way to give knowledge of salvation unto his people by the remission of sin notice he's going to deliver us who's going to deliver us the one you're going to be for for uh, announcing here he comes boom that horn of salvation so when we come back to mark 13 you have to remember here that issue there of being being salvation being saved and enduring to the end is not like we are saved and justified, but rather it's part of their to they're, they're going to be redeemed. They're going to be taken out from under the yoke of bondage. That's the the enemy and the oppressor, and that's exactly what they're going to do. So when we come into verse 14 now, the first word, but, <laughs> when ye shall see. So verse 13 is true, okay? But then he says, but. So now verse 14 becomes a, very, a pivotal point in the text because it's a pivotal point in the 70th week of Daniel, okay? Verse 14. But when ye shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, in Matthew 24, he's going to say, standing in the holy place. Mark doesn't say that. He says, standing where it ought not. Okay. Matthew 24 has got a lot more information in it than, than we do here. But notice what he's doing here. He, he, here at this moment, 
when the abomination of desolation that's spoken by Daniel, when it stands in where it ought not to be standing, that becomes a pivotal point in the ministry of the little flock. And it all revolves around something that Daniel has spoken of, that abomination of desolation. Okay? This is where 2 Thessalonians 2, Paul described it, where he stands in the temple as God, declaring himself to be God. And there's a timing issues in there and so forth that are tremendous. But notice, what did he tell them in verse 4? What did they ask in verse 4? Tell us, when shall these things be, and what shall be the sign when all these things shall be fulfilled? Now, verse 14, but when ye see. So here, here's the timing issue is what we're looking at. Going to really focus in here tonight. The timing issue, because that's the critical part of this. Because up until this point, what has that little flock been doing? They've been busy. Now we're going to, something is uh, going to, there's going to be a shift in their ministry. This abomination of desolation. It's standing where it ought not. It, it doesn't belong there. It's, a, it's, it's, in, it's the rebellion against, it's, it's, it, it, it's rebelling against that testimony that the little flock, verse 10, has published on the gospel and about what should be there. It, now this stands in opposition to it. Him that readeth, let him understand, the parenthesis. So we can understand this, but in order to understand it, we got to have who? you got to have Daniel. So what are they going to have out there in the future day? Well, they're going to have what Jeremiah wrote. They're going to have what Job wrote, but they're also going to have what Daniel wrote. Okay. By the way, Daniel the prophet, he's not a historian. Okay. Sir Robert Anderson's got a book, Daniel in the Critic's Den. And, you, you know, you read that book and so forth, and, and uh, oh, he's just a great guy, he's just a historian. No, he's a what? He's a prophet. These things are what's coming, okay? Notice the issue of the abomination, just real quick here, uh, because it's, it's important to, to catch this. When you think about the abomination, come back with me to 2 Kings chapter 11. 1 Kings 11. Let's go 1 Kings first. When you t when in Scripture, the abomination, 1 Kings 11, the, um, is a reference to idolatry worship. It's a, it's a reference to the, the idolatrous worship of a false god. 1 Kings 11, verse 5. Okay, so we have Solomon. Solomon's the king. His heart's been turned. Verse 5, For Solomon went after Ashtaroth, the goddess of the Zidonians, and after Milcom, the abomination of the Amorites. Okay, what did he do? He set up these idols, these false gods. What scripture call them? An abomination. Verse 7, Then did Solomon build a high place for for Chemos, the abomination of Moab, in the hill that is before Jerusalem, and for Moloch, the abomination of the children of Ammon. Come over to 2 Kings. 2 Kings. So when we read this issue about the abomination of desolation, literally what has happened is the false prophet has set up an idol in the temple and he's causing everyone to worship the idol, okay? So when they see that idol be set up of the Antichrist, set up by the false prophet, now it's time to do what? Flee. Shift in, the pro in, in what we're doing. Look, if you will, 2 Kings 23, uh, verse um, 13. 23, 13. And the high places that were before Jerusalem which were on the right hand of the Mount of Corruption. By the way, that's the Mount of Olives in, in the geography. 
which Solomon the king of Israel have builded for Ashtaroth the abomination of the Zidonians, and for Chemosh the abomination of the Moabites, and for the, milk, the abomination of the children of Ammon did the king defile. The abomination, the high places, those groves, those cinders of worship. If you ever see anybody have a, we used to live next door to a guy that had a Buddha out in front of his house, up up by the house, and he had a little grove, it had little bushes around it. That's what it is. It's a place of worship. He built a place for them to worship the false gods. So abomination, it, it, again, is that issue of idolatrous worship of a false god. So when you come back here to Mark 13, and when he says, hey, when you guys see that abomination of desolation that Daniel told us about, so what are they looking at? They're looking at idolatry. They're looking at an idol being set up in the temple and so forth. Uh, by the way, come over to 2 Thessalonians 2. We were here last time or the time before. 2 Thessalonians 2, because here this is what's really transpiring. Verse 3, let no man deceive you by any means for that day, and that day is the day we're talking about out in the future shall not come, except there come a falling away first. So here's Israel doing what? Falling for this the abomination. And that the man of sin, that's the first half of the week, that's the man of sin be revealed. That's And the son of perdition, that's the two halves of the week. That's the two identifying marks of the career of the Antichrist. Verse 4, who opposeth and exalted himself, above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. That's what we're doing here. That's what they're doing. The Antichrist, he's going to go into that temple and he's going to declare himself to be God. But in association with that declaration, there is an idol set up for the people to worship in the temple. And that's what Mark, that's what Daniel, that's what they're talking about when you see the abomination of desolation. The thing that ought not be there in the temple, it's time now to flee. Do you follow that? So when you come back here, the timing of this is now what is important and critical to get. So go back with me to the book of Daniel. And let's see if we can't trip over a few verses and, and look at maybe some of this timing, okay? Daniel chapter number 8. Daniel chapter number 8. In Daniel 8, if you look there at verse 13, Daniel 8, 13. Then I heard one saint speaking, and another saint said unto that certain saint which spake, How long shall be the vision concerning the daily sacrifice and the transgression of desolation to give both the sanctuary and the host to be trodden underfoot? And he said unto me, Two thousand three hundred days. Then shall the sanctuary be cleansed. So we're going to just stick over here, 2,300 days, okay? How long? Again, well, I want you to see the timing issue. The connected with the transgression of desolation, the abomination of desolation. How, that, and that, that's the taking away of the daily sacrifice. Come on to chapter 9, look at verse 27. And he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week. All right? And in the midst of the week, he shall cause the sacrifice and the oblation to cease. For the overspreading of abomination, he shall make it desolate. Even under the consumption, and that determined uh, shall be poured upon the desolate. So, we have the going forth of the commandment. That's Nehemiah chapter 2. To uh, we have 69 weeks here. Okay, it concludes at the the entry into Jerusalem on the where the Lord enters in 
uh, on the colt, the foal of an ass. That concludes it. Then we have Calvary, okay? Then we have the, the Acts period listed in there when you think about your history. But then we have Israel fall, and then they're diminished away. And then we have the body of Christ here and the issue of the dispensation of grace, okay? That sits in here. And then we're raptured out and we meet the Lord in the air. Look, if you will, back up at verse 26. And after threescore and two weeks shall Messiah be cut off. Notice Calvary sits outside the 69. We got 7 and 62. It sits outside of this timing. Okay? When we started the book of Mark, we went through a bunch of this, and I told you they got a gap here. <laughs> and then we gap the gap. Okay? But if you look at verse 26. And the people of the prince that shall come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary, and the end thereof shall be with a flood. Until the end of the war, desolations are determined. So there's a whole bunch of war, and the city be destroyed, and desolations, and famine, stuff we read about, that's going to have to happen. Okay? And then, and then all of a sudden, verse 27, what now do we have? We have that 70th week identified and set up for us. And we've got three and a half years, 42 months, 1,260 days. Go over to chapter 12. Okay? All right? Chapter 12 of Daniel. You with me? Moving right along. Chapter 12 of Daniel, verse 11. And from the time that the daily sacrifice shall be taken away and the abomination that maketh desolate, notice, set up. We're not talking about the Antichrist in the temple. We're talking about the idol. Okay? What, how long? There shall be 1,290 days. Well, we've got 1,260. So we've got a 30-day period right here. That's overlapping. It's called the midst of the week. Your King James Bible translators are very careful with that. Not middle of the week, because then what's one by one? We want 1,200, 1,259 days and 59 minutes or hours or whatever. You know, see, they don't, no, midst. There's some events that are going to happen in that 30-day period. Now, remember... The 2300, so from here all the way out to the kingdom is 2300 days, okay? Where'd he go? <laughs> okay, <laughs> I turn around and he's gone. <laughs> Woo, rapture. Oh, <laughs> yeah, okay. So there's, an, there's some, this is that pivotal point here that's going to happen. Okay, so you've got 1260, that makes our 1290, all right, to there. By the way, this is the second coming, okay? Now, go back to Mark 13. Just keep all that in your head. <clears throat> Mark 13. I got to get there. Mark 13. So in Mark 13, up to verse 14, we're talking about the, the, the time period beforehand. We're talking about the first end of the first half of the tribulation. Okay, the, the 70th week of Daniel. Verse 10, what are they doing? And the gospel must first be published among all nations. What are they doing? The first, the early days, the 144,000 are working out here. The two witnesses are out here in uh, working. By the way, what's 1260 twice? 2520. Okay. So this is not correct. Let's erase that because I read that verse wrong. Okay. So you got the two witnesses in the first half here. What are they doing? They're out busy preaching the gospel of the kingdom. They're, they're publishing it. We looked at last time. 
But in verse 14, what something things change. The end of that verse, then let them that be in Judea, what? Flee to the mountain. You ain't preaching anymore. You ain't publishing. You're not doing anything. You're getting out of town, okay? You're running. And that starts this second half back here, okay? All right? So go back there to eight four, uh, Daniel 8. I, that's just bugging me now because I, Daniel 8. Just so we get the 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 numbers right, Daniel eight fourteen. So the question is in verse thirteen: How long shall be the vision concerning the daily sacrifice and the transgression of desolation, to give both the sanctuary and the host to be trodden underfoot, unto two thousand three hundred days? Then the sanctuary shall be cleansed. That's going to be the this the kingdom so you got 2300 days 23 all right so we got 220 over here that builds the temple and then we're going to run out over there like that okay get that all right roughly okay is that right 25 20 25 20 12 okay Whew. get that straight in my own head okay uh so come back uh let's see where do we want to go let's go to revelation Let's go to Revelation chapter 12. Just, to kind of, just again, the timing here. Revelation chapter 12. I just want to show you some, some of this as we work through this. Because in Revelation, so in Daniel, we have the big picture. Revelation is going to come in now and ferret out some of the detail. Okay? Revelation 12, look at verse 1. And there appeared a great, woman, a great wonder in heaven, a woman clothed with sun and the moon under her feet, and upon her head a crown of twelve stars. And she being with child cried, travailing in birth and pain to be delivered. Now, everybody out there in religion says that this is Mary and the baby and uh, actually, that's the crescent moon for the Muslims and so forth. But if you go to Genesis 37, you find out that this is a description of Israel and the 12 tribes. So this is who we're talking about. We're talking about Israel and the tribes of Israel. Okay, Verse 3, And there appeared another wonder in heaven, and behold, a great red dragon, be, ha having seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns upon his head. And his tail drew a third part of the stars of heaven and did cast the, uh, them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman, again, that's Israel, which was ready to, to be delivered for to devour her child as it was born. And again, the child isn't Christ. The child here is going to be the 144,000. And again, in Acts, you take the 12 and the little flock. What did the 12 do? They help get the little flock established. The 144,000 over here, they're doing the same thing. The two witnesses, they're, they're getting that little flock established. Because that's what they're up, up against. Verse 5, she brought forth a man-child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron. And her child was caught up to God and, in his, and to his throne. And the woman fled into the wilderness where she hath a place prepared of God, that they should feed her there a thousand two hundred and three score. So 1,260 uh, days. That's where you get the 1260 from, okay? Now, th this is all happening here in the midst. The 144,000 work in the middle of the week. They're called up into the throne room of God. They're moved out, okay? Now, by the way, come back to chapter 2 with me. Chapter 2 of Revelation. Because people will say, you know, doesn't the Lord, in verse 5 there, he's going to rule with a rod of iron. Well, the Lord, you know, who does that? Well, the Lord Jesus Christ is going to do it, but he's going to have some help. He's going to have some people come in and join him in that. Chapter 2. Revelation 2, verse 24, But unto you I say, and unto the rest of 
Thyatira, as many as have not this doctrine, and which have not known the depths of Satan. Look, look at the depths of Satan. They're going to face the adversary at a depth that no one has ever faced. It's beyond normal. Okay? As they spake, I will put upon you none other burden, but that which ye have already hold fast till I come, and he that overcometh and keepeth my works unto the end. Again, there's that enduring to the end. Will I give power over the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron. As the vessels of a potter shall, be, uh, shall they be broken to shivers, even as I received of my father. Go back to chapter 12. What's happening? The Lord's going to come in there, and he's, he's going to rule with the rod of iron, but he's got a group. Remember in Luke 19, the parable? The nobleman goes away, leaves his servants in charge, says, Occupy, and he comes back, and he gives one to rule over ten cities, and one to rule over five, and down the list. That's what we're talking about here. He's going to go, but he, Jesus Christ is going to rule, but so does that little flock, that overcomer. They're going to participate with him. Okay? Back to Revelation 12, verse 6. And the woman fled into the wilderness. The woman there that's fleeing is that true Israel of God. This is right here. So that little flock is going to flee into the wilderness. That's where we're at in Mark 13. These guys are raised back here. The two witnesses work in Jerusalem up to the point where they're killed and taken back to God. Again, in the midst of the week, 30 days here, a lot of stuff going on. Israel, uh, the little flock's going to flee. But also, if you look at verse 7, and there was a war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought and his angels and prevailed not. Neither was their, found, uh, neither was their place found anymore in heaven. That verse in Isaiah where he says he rolls up the heavens like a scroll and shakes out the inhabitants. The adversary has created a lot more governmental positions. The Lord says, I don't need that many. I just need this and gets them back down. Verse 9, and the great dragon was cast out, the old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceived the whole wor world. He was cast into the earth and his angels were cast out with him. So what do we got? We got a war going on over here. Now think about this. We meet the Lord here in the air. He takes us into the third heaven to the Father. Okay. Then he leaves, comes down, joins the war. In the midst of the week, Satan is cast out to earth. You follow? This can't happen on one day. This is taking time, period, because right in the middle of all this, and what starts this is that abomination is set up. That's what starts it. That's what starts the flee. The, the next component, Satan's kicked out. By the way, verse 10, And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now has come salvation and the strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. Now in heaven, the kingdom of God is established. The kingdom of God is first established in the heavens. Guess whose that is? Woohoo, that's us. We're installed into those positions. He goes in, he cleans them out, he gets rid of the adversary. They've all been dropped to the earth. And then he comes in, Philippians 3, he says, you're going to take this vile body, fashion it like unto his glorious body, so that he can then subdue all things. And that's what we're talking about. Puts it down. Verse 12, therefore rejoice ye heavens and ye that dwell in them. And I've got circled in my Bible the period, because there's a period. Then what does he say? Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and of the sea, for the devil is come down unto you having what? Now we're going to have great wrath. It's going to be called great 
tribulation in Matthew. You see, there's that abomination gets set up, that thing triggers a whole sequence of events. And that's what we're dealing with here. Come on down, verse 13. And when the dragon saw that he was cast into the earth, he persecuted the woman, which brought forth the man-child. And to the woman were given two wings of, of a great eagle. Now we're going to go back to Exodus 19, into the Exodus out of Egypt. See? So, by the way, <clears throat> just so we see this, in the career of the adversary, he, here he is the, uh, the man of sin, okay? And now he's going to be the son of perdition over here. He's in, something's going on. The abomination of the desolation starts all that. Verse 13, they're going to flee. Verse 14, I'm sorry. That she might fly into the wilderness, into her place, where she is nourished for a time, at times, and a half time from the face of the serpent. That's three and a half years. And the serpent cast out of his mouth water as a flood after the woman, that he might cause her to be carried away of the flood. And the earth helped the woman, and the earth opened her mouth and swallowed up the flood, which the dragon cast out of his mouth. And the dragon was wroth, notice that, with the woman, and went to make war with the remnant of her seed, which kept the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. He's going to make war, but who's he after now? He's after the remnant. That's that little flock. They, now they're fleeing into the wilderness. He's got Israel. Now he's going to go after the believing remnant, the true Israel of God. Okay? So in Mark, so in Mark 13, when he says, okay, when you see that, now it's time to flee. All right? There's some things happening in the timing of everything that now their ministry is changed and they're running. Come back with me to Hosea. Hosea, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah. Hosea, Joel. <laughs> Joel. Mm. Hosea chapter 2. Okay? Israel has been in the wilderness before. And that purpose, I think, I think about in the Old Testament, they come out of Egypt. Okay, those two wings, the exodus out of Egypt. She's going to go to her pl a place, Revelation 12, 14. She knows where she's going. There's a place prepared for them in the wilderness to provide for them. Hosea 2, if you look at verse 14, Therefore, behold, I will allure her and bring her into the wilderness and speak comfortably unto her. And I will give her her vineyard from thence and the valley of Achor for a door of hope. And she shall sing there as in the days of her youth and as in the day when she came up out of the land of Egypt. He takes Israel, brings her out into the wilderness with the purpose of bringing her into the promised land, the kingdom. Now we're back in the wilderness. What's he going to do? As in the days of her youth, as in the days when she came out of Egypt. So now that's going to be a picture of what he did in Egypt there in the Exodus of how God is going to treat them out here in the 70th week. So this stuff back here is a dress rehearsal of that big day over there. So, by the way, it's over here. Old Testament. Wilderness, <laughs> okay, is over there. It's a dress rehearsal. The Valley of Achor. Do you remember the Valley of Achor? Joshua 7, Joshua 8. Joshua 7, they go into, they go into the land they're in the land, 
And Israel gets to Jericho, and they just wipe Jericho out. Chapter 8, they go up against a little city called A, and A just kicks them, kills them, destroys them, defeats them. What happened? Joshua stops and says, what happened here? And then they find out that they've got that Babylonian garment, Babylonian garment, the sin in the camp. Okay? And they go over there and they come in. By the way, that abomination of the desolations is connected to the Antichrist. It's connected to Babylon. Shouldn't be there. It's crippling them. It's, it's, it's defeating them. So now Joshua and them, they get the scent, they deal with it, that Babylonian garment, they take care of it, they get it out of it, they, they deal with the sin in the camp, then they go up against A again and wipe A out. So the thing that stopped them was connected to Babylon back in their youth. When they judged it, got it out of the camp, Valley of Achor, then they're able to go in and win. Same scenario here. What's sitting up in the temple? That idol of the Antichrist connected to Babylon. And I'm going to, the Lord says, I'm going to give you the place where you can, you can get out from underneath that Antichrist. He shouldn't be there where he ought not be. And what you're going to do, come over to Micah. When we get into the minor prophets, some of this will make a lot more, a, a little more sense, maybe. What he, so what, is, what he does with that remnant in, it, in the wilderness, he feeds them. By the way, what does he feed them? Manna. What do you think they're going to be eating? Manna. It's, it, again, dress rehearsal here. The hope. By the way, I, I'm going to give you the value of it for a, 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 a door of hope. Their hope was in judging this stuff here. When you see it, what are you going to do? You're going to get out of town, man. You're going to flee. Why? Because that's what's in trouble. Okay? You guys follow that? All right? Micah 7. Micah 7, verse 12. Verse 11. In the day that thy walls are to be built, in that day shall the decree be far removed. In that day also he shall come even to thee from Assyria and from the fortified cities and from the fortress, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> chalk dust, <coughs> even to the river and from the sea to sea and from mountain to mountains. Notwithstanding, the land shall be desolate because of them that dwell there for the fruit of their doing. He's talking about the Antichrist. That's who he's talking about. Verse 14. Feed thy people with thy rod, the flock of thine of thine heritage, which dwell solitary in the wood, in the midst of Carmel, let them feed in Bashan and Gilead as in the days of old. Verse 15, according to the days of thy coming out of the land of Egypt, will I show unto him marvelous things. They're, they're, that place, their place, where? And Bashan and Gilead of old, let them feed in Bashan. They know where they're going. They're not going, okay, which way? GPS. They're right on it. And again, he, they go out into that wilderness. What does he do? He feeds them. He's going to feed them with the manna. Okay? So when you're thinking about this, come back to... <coughs> Come back to Daniel. Get a little more detail here. You guys good? Okay, kind of see what's going on here. By the way, you can understand this. It might take a little bit. You've got to get it on the chalkboard. Look at Daniel 11. Because there's some more things that are going to happen here. Daniel 11. In this midst of the week. Daniel 11. Look, if you will. By the way... Um, Obadiah, that great book of Obadiah, it ultimately tells us why Israel is not an, is a non-issue in all of this. Okay, and uh, when <laughs> and you know people always say, well, he's got to come over here, and, and not Israel. I'm sorry, 
Islam is a non-issue in this. Because what they say is he's got to tear, when he builds that temple, he's got to come up on Temple Mount and tear all that off. And, and then Obadiah says, what you think is Temple Mount ain't really Temple Mount. It's somewhere else. So Obadiah will be a good book when we get into it, okay? Daniel 11, look at verse 31. Daniel eleven thirty-one. And arms shall stand on his part. They shall pollute the sanctuary of strength. Boy, what a name. What a sanctuary of strength. The temple is where Israel should have gained her strength. Again, in Mark, what did the Lord do? He went in, he cleaned the temple out. He calls, you've made this a den of thieves. He stops the priestly activity. Stops it. Why? They've polluted it. And shall take away the daily sacrifice, and they shall place the abomination that maketh desolate. Again, place. What are they doing? They're setting up that idol, and that starts this midst of the week activity. What are they to do? They're to run. They're to flee. They're to get out of town. They're to move. Now, you see that thing about arms? All right, we'll just write that over here real quick. All right, just remember that. Come over to, uh, hmm. well, let's just do the arms. Look at Luke 21. Luke 21. Luke 21. Okay, Luke 21 and verse 20. 21.20, Luke 21.20. And when ye shall see Jerusalem compassed with what? Armies. There's Daniel 11.31. Arms, there they are. It's in association with him, with the, the Antichrist doing what? Setting up in the temple. Okay. When you, Jerusalem is accompanied with arms, armies, then know that the, notice, the desolation thereof is nigh. <laughs> then let them which are in the Judea, what? Flee to the mountains. You see how it's, how more information here by the Lord? Hey, when you see armies circling Jerusalem, which is where? So Jerusalem is circled with armies. By the way, that's not. AD 70, the preterist view, okay? It's associated with what? With that abomination being set up, made desolate, ready to go. It's time to flee, verse 21. It's time to flee. That's Daniel 9, Daniel 11, Daniel 12, Mark 13, Matthew 24. It's time to get out. Verse 22, for these be the days of vengeance that all things which are written may be fulfilled. I, and again, I know what the preterists do. They say, oh, see, that's, you know, blah, blah, blah. But what are they doing here? We've got armies. We've got them setting up. We've got things happening that ought not be happening. The false prophet goes in, sets things up. Uh, come back with me to Revelation. Just uh, trying to do this and got five minutes to do. <laughs> and where to go? Revelation 13. Again, what are they going to do? They're going to flee. They're going to be nourished in the wilderness. They're running. They'll be nourished out there. They know where they're going. They know their place to be. You've got those cities of refuge in the Old Testament. They know Gilead and ba they know where to go. Satan's been cast out. He's come back. Now it's time for great wrath and great tribulation to start. Jerusalem is surrounded by the armies, and it all starts with that abomination, that idol being set up in the temple for people to worship. Okay? Um, Revelation 13. Start in verse 3. And I saw one of his heads as it were wounded to death. And his deadly wound was healed. 
and all the world wondered after the beast. Now, the beast in Revelation is the Antichrist. And what's happened here is the, the uh, let's, let's call him the man of sin, okay? The man of sin, he's been assassinated now. But what did that verse just say? His deadly wound was what? Healed. He's going to be three days, and then he's going to be resurrected. Now keep reading. And they worship, and and uh, and all the world wondered after the beast, and they worshiped the dragon, which gave power unto the beast, and they worshiped the beast, saying, "Who is like unto the beast? Who is able to make war with him?" It's about the the antichrist. He's assassinated. Drop down to verse eleven. And I beheld another beast coming up out of the earth, and he had two horns like a lamb, and he spake as a dragon. This will be the false prophet. And he, and he exercised all the power of the first beast before him, and causes the earth and them which dwell therein to worship the first beast whose deadly wound was healed. Isn't that interesting? Deadly wound, healed. Come back to chapter 11 of Revelation. Chapter 11. And if you look at verse 7, Revelation 11, 7. 11, 3, And I will give power unto my two witnesses, and they shall prophesy a thousand two hundred and six and threescore days, clothed in sackcloth. They're in the city, verse 7, and when they shall have finished their testimony, now watch, the beast that ascended out of the bottomless pit shall make war against them and shall overcome them and kill them. Isn't that interesting? There's a beast that's going to come up out of the bottomless pit in Jerusalem. If you look at verse 9, and they of the people and kindreds and tongues and nations shall see their dead bodies three days and a half, and shall not suffer their dead bodies to be put in the graves. And they that dwell upon the earth shall rejoice over them and make merry and shall send gifts one to another because these two prophets tormented them that dwelt on the earth. We're, they're going to have a Christmas celebration that these guys are gone. Now there's a beast that comes up out of the bottomless pit, okay, and he's the guy that's going to resurrect the situation. Now come back to chapter 13. Am I confusing you yet? Again, this is all midst of the week here. So see, there's a lot of stuff going on. Okay? Revelation 13. Verse 14. Verse 13. And, and he doeth great wonders, so that he maketh fire come down from heaven on the earth, in the sight of men. 2 Thessalonians 2 talks about lying wonders and all deceivableness. Verse 15. Verse 14. And deceive them that dwell on earth by the measures of those, by the means of those miracles which he had power to do in the sight of the beast, saying to them that dwell on the earth that they should make an image to the beast which had the wound by a sword and did live. And he had power to give life unto the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause that as many as would not worship the image of the beast should be killed. He's going to use his supernatural powers to point to an, to an idol, to a beast who was dead and then what? Resurrected. And what he's resurrected into is then the son of perdition. And this is a supernatural event now that comes out of here. By the way, who else in Scripture was going to be raised after three days? The Lord Jesus Christ. That's how he can gain the, the credibility to say, I am God. See, I just did this. I did, and the guy doing it is this guy. By the way, just so you know, come back to Zechariah 11. Just, just so you know. I think the air conditioner kicked on and then kicked off. I don't know why it kicked on. Look at Zechariah 11. Just so you understand what we're doing here. Antichrist, 
anti, counterfeit, not the true deal, okay? Zechariah 11, verse 15. And the Lord said unto me, Take unto thee yet the instruments of a foolish shepherd. For lo, I will raise up a shepherd in the land, okay? Here's the Antichrist, which shall not visit those that be cut off, neither shall seek the young one, nor heal that, that it is broken, nor feed that standeth still, but he shall eat the flesh of the fat and tear their claws in pieces. Woe to the idle shepherd. See that I-D-O-L? Abomination of desolation. That leaveth the flock. The sword shall be upon his arm and upon his right eye. His arm shall be clean, dried up, and his right eye shall be utterly darkened. What do we got? He's got a deadly wound, and now he's healed, and now he's going to run the back half of that as the son of perdition. And he's going to nail him. Okay, now come back to Mark 13. Because when you come back to Mark 13, notice what he does now. Mark 13, verse 14. Midst of the week, what triggers it? What triggers the change in what the servants are going to be doing, the little flock? That's what Mark's doing. The abomination of desolation is set up. That idol is set up. Up until this point, they've been busy. They've been publishing the word. They've been preaching the gospel of the kingdom. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is here. It's at hand. It's coming. You guys need to get right. We, he's preaching what the Lord preached back here in his earthly ministry. He's preaching what Peter is preaching back here in Acts. They're moving right on. Same message. By the way, not Paul, not us today. They're moving right through. Again, I, I said a, a couple times, the Lord is looking right past the body of Christ. He's looked right over. Daniel has looked right over it. Then what does he say? Verse uh, Mark 13, verse 14. Then let them that be in Judea flee. Not just a jog, by the way. This is serious stuff here. You got to go now. It's so serious, verse 15, and let him that is on the housetop not go down in the house, neither enter therein to take anything out of his house, and let him that is in the field not turn back again for to take up his garment. Think about that. Don't, you, don't go in the house and gather up the stuff. You don't have a go bag. You're going. You remember when he says there about turning back? Do you remember in Luke 17, he talks about Lot's wife turning back. She looked back. What happened to her? Instant destruction. Don't you do it, guys. Verse 17, but woe to them that are with child and to them that give suck in those days. You know what happens? <laughs> Man, if you've got children, it's going to hurt. The seriousness of the moment just intensified because you've got a family. Verse 18, and pray that your be not in winter. Now, again, Matthew also then adds in about the Sabbath. You know, in the they can go very far, but in the winter, they, they're not running. They don't have four by four pickup trucks. See, they're running, they're moving. They don't have the point here is it's going to be tough times. Why? Verse 14, because the Antichrist is set up, because, and, and that triggers Satan cast to the earth, and then the only thing that Satan has to do now is, is not only just destroy Israel, which he's going to, but now he's after the little flock of Israel. And you know what, he, you know what God says? If you endure to the end, you'll, you're saved from those enemies. But the first thing you've got to do is get out of town. Flee. By the way, those that, be, those that are in Judea, not America, when he institutes temple worship back here, the whole of, the, of Israel, of all the Jews are going to go home. It's time to go home. And he's going to nail them. Okay? 
So when you think about what's happening here, we'll pick up from here next time. What does he say? Mar again, Mark isn't pointing out the beginning of the, of the 70th week. He's pointing out here's what's happening, and in those circumstances, here's what the believing remnant is going to do, the little flock. What are they going to do? They're going to be busy. They're going to be preaching. And then when this thing happens that Daniel has warned us about, this abomination, you're going to flee, and you're going to get out of town. And actually, down at verse 20. Uh, three, but take ye heed, behold, I have foretold you all things. He's telling them all, he, he's telling them everything. And again, we're back here. See, this is where we're at. We're in Mark. He's telling them all things so that they know what to do in the time of Jacob's trouble. They are not looking for us. They are looking all the way over to that. They don't even see the mystery. Why? It's a mystery. It was hidden God. And they're moving, and they're moving on with it. Okay? All right. The image gets set up. It's time to flee. Why? Because now Satan is on the earth. He's here, and it's, and it's, uh, it's chaos. It's turmoil. It's punishment. And they need to get moving. Okay? By the way, Romans 11, Paul says, at the end of this, all Israel shall be saved. Okay? But that Israel in here is that believing remnant. Because the Israel that turns these guys in, brother against brother and sister and sister and all, mom and dad and all that stuff, is apostate Israel. That Antichrist, is, he's going to, all of this is designed, Daniel 9, to clean up the people, Israel, clean them up. Seventy weeks have determined upon thy people and thy holy city. It's on the people. All of this is designed to purge out the rubble out of Israel. You and I, we're back here, we're up, we're done, we're on our own. These guys are here, and they're looking right across there. Literally, they've closed the chart, if you will. Okay? All right, we'll pick up from here next time um, and so forth and get on down through that. Okay? Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for the evening. We thank you for your word. We thank you that we can look at Daniel and grasp some of what you'll be doing with the nation of Israel, your people, with the believing remnant and your protection of them. And we can rejoice in that. In your name we pray. Amen.